The person who keeps their power wins. Don't let it go because once you do, it's a struggle to get it back. Listen to my other podcast at loveandabuse.com and don't let anyone take your power away. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about in this show is my personal opinion and it's meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, let me uh, pull my screen over here because I have something to read. It is an email that I received, and um, I started this episode with a comment on your power. You know, empowerment has the word power. Personal power is what I like to encourage. Um, I don't really use the words personal power a lot. I just try to share with you what creates personal power. And one of the things that creates personal power is something I've already said, showing up as your authentic self. And what that means to me is that when you are in a challenging situation, do you show up as the person that you believe you should be for others or the person that you want to be for yourself? I think if you show up more times as the latter, the person who shows up as themselves, for themselves, doing what they want to do, saying what they want to say, I mean, within reason. (laughs) You don't want to just do anything you want to do, but there are times when you want to do or say certain things and you feel restricted. You feel like if you do or say what you're about to do or say, Someone will get angry or someone will be upset. Someone will fire you. Someone will break up with you. Someone won't be your friend anymore. On and on and on. And this is why we restrict ourselves because we don't want to confront, cause trouble, uh, make waves. So we show up in a certain way to try to keep the peace. I'm not saying that you always have to show up and say exactly everything that you want to say and do anything you want to do. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, if you did that, you'd probably have no friends. (laughs) You might not have anyone that ever wanted to talk to you again because, uh, how can I say this? Every now and then, someone you love will tick you off. Every now and then, someone you care about will do something that really upsets you and you probably go home and share what upset you about them with somebody else. You know how it goes, you know, I was with my friend John today and, you know, John, he's a great guy, but man, he has this view that I cannot stand and 
he looks at people strangely and he's got this glare and you know we gossip <laughs> we say things about people sometimes this may not be you I'm not explaining everyone that's listening but uh, I do I'm gonna admit it right now I do there, there are times when there are people in, that come into my life that um, even though they're my best friends they're people I love they're people I care about there's a point where there's going to be an incompatibility or an inconsistency or a miscommunication even or maybe they've had a bad day and you didn't want to hear it you showed up and you were friendly and you were kind but they were rubbing you the wrong way so you go home and you say ah you know ah, John was really rubbing me the wrong way today but normally you get along and you get along great and maybe your best friends or maybe they're part of your family and uh, you don't normally have that problem so all of this stuff builds up inside of us and we can't always show up as the person that is going to please everyone this is why people pleasing is so hard by the way <laughs> no matter what you do there are going to be bad days there are going to be times when all of your chameleon like adaptation to people and situations is going to backfire on you and you're still going to walk away having been confrontational even though that was the very last thing that you wanted to accomplish. This is something you, in my opinion, you just have to accept. No matter how much you try to get along with some people, there are times where you won't. And there are people that you may never get along with. You can't do anything about that. There are people that you will never get along with, and no matter how hard you try, they have a chip on their shoulder about you or they have a chip on their shoulder about life so there's really nothing you can do except be your wonderfully authentic self and yes your wonderful authentic self is going to upset some people they're not going to like it and let me tell you who typically doesn't like your authentic self it's those who can't control or change you you know, I talk about emotional abuse over at loveandabuse.com. That's what it's all about for the emotionally abusive person. They want to control or change you. And if they can't control or change you, you are the bad guy. Doesn't make sense, but that's how it is a lot of the times. If somebody wants you to do something that they want you to do, and you don't do it, this has always been my philosophy, the people that love and support you will be okay that you don't do it. The people who may say they love and support you but want what they want regardless of how you feel about it, meaning they just want to control or manipulate you, they won't be okay with it. And they won't be okay until you do what they want you to do. This is why it's important to pick and keep your friends and family wisely. Because if you're around people that don't accept you showing up as your authentic self, even when you have thoughts and ideas that disagree with theirs, then you are in a very difficult situation, uh, especially for the person who wants to please everyone. They're going to try to adapt all the time to these controlling people that will never be happy. 
this is something I've learned is that controlling people usually aren't ever 100% happy. I mean, maybe none of us are, but I notice more often controlling people, even when the other person does everything they want, they submit to everything, they give in, they cave in, whatever the controller wants, the other person does, the controlling person is still not happy. It's not good enough. This is a good thing for you if you are around a controlling person because that means it's not your fault and it's not about you. It's about them. It's about them trying to satisfy some want or need that they can't satisfy through anyone because they haven't fulfilled something missing inside themselves. So they look outside themselves trying to control the people around them and the environment, trying to make everything perfect so that they can feel better inside themselves. But it doesn't work. It doesn't happen. So what they end up doing is controlling more, being more manipulative, being more sometimes aggressive, sometimes more hurtful. And when they do that, they're very hard to be around. And um, the people that aren't honoring themselves around them will get the brunt of it. So if a controlling, manipulative person wants you to do something or wants you to change who you are, they'll do their best to make that happen. But if you're someone who honors themselves and says, hey, look, I'm not going to change for you. If you don't like me and accept me for who I am, that's your problem. That person is going to keep their power. That person doesn't want to be controlled. They don't want to be manipulated. This is one of the aspects of keeping your power. You start to lose your power when you say, okay, I'll do that. Or you just do it for someone who wants to control or change you and you find out that it still doesn't really make the relationship any better and in fact it probably just continues to get worse. I always like to look at the trend line of a relationship. The trend line is the whiteboard in the conference room that it's either going up and to the right or straight across or down and to the right or ups and downs but there's always a trend that shows you the profit and loss of the company, for example. I use the same thing in relationships. I just said this on an episode on love and abuse. If you look at the trend line for the last one, two, five, or ten years, is it going up and to the right? Is it a steady going right? Is it sort of up and down but still steady going right? Or is it going down and to the right? Or has it just gone down and it stayed down? There's a trend which represents your history in any relationship, whether it's family, platonic, romantic, whatever it is, there's a trend. If I look at my friendships in my life, I can see that the line is pretty steady. It hasn't gone down, it hasn't gone up. It tells me that we've gotten along, there's been no problems, and we enjoy seeing each other. There's just no, what my girlfriend calls, glitches. There's no real glitches. Sure, there's ups and downs, there's misunderstandings, I might come home and vent a little bit about my friend. <laughs> it rarely happens, but sometimes it does. Like oh, He just didn't understand, and he didn't get it, and he wasn't supportive, and I might say something like that. But it's just a built-up emotional energy that happens when you're frustrated or upset or you know there's a irritation of some sort. That stuff builds up inside of you, so we vent it to other people so we can get rid of it so it's not there the next time we see this person. 
I think it's a healthy thing. You know, they say never gossip, but I kind of don't mind it. <laughs> I kind of don't mind releasing this emotional energy that builds up inside of me, even about the people I love, even about the people I care about. So back to the trend line. You look at the trend line, you figure out, has it been going well? Has it been declining? Uh, do I feel like I'm happy? I mean, what's the trend line represent to you? To me, it's about having a level of satisfaction in the relationship or happiness, uh, having a level of fulfillment, and all of that represents where it's going to me. So I look at my trend lines in my relationships, maybe not in a symbolic sense, maybe I don't think of them as trend lines. I just look at the history of what happened and tell myself what has happened is what will happen. What has happened for the past one, two, five, ten years is what will happen unless something major changes. Sometimes that change is me. I've had friends for many, many years and then I changed and suddenly that trend line just stops. Like there's not a friendship necessarily anymore. It's not there anymore. And when that happens, I evaluate if I'm okay with that. Am I okay for losing my best friend of so many years? It's not that I lost him. It's just that my values have changed and what I enjoy talking about has changed. And maybe we're not on the same level anymore. So I evaluate that stuff and make sure that uh, I'm going in the right direction or am I just being snobby? <laughs> am I just, do I think I'm better than them? Do I think that uh, they're better than me? You know, I go through this evaluation process and figure it out. But sometimes the trend line just stops because the relationship stops. And that can be healthy too. I don't think it's necessarily unhealthy to stop a relationship, but it can usually be a healthy process if that's your process, if that's what you want to go through. So anyway, the concept of a trend line gives you an idea of where the relationship's going to go because of where it has gone already. And this is so freeing. This is so liberating because there are so many people out there that say, well, maybe he or she will change. Maybe they'll figure out that they're being mean and they'll stop being mean. Maybe they'll figure out that they're being controlling and they'll stop being controlling. Has it happened yet? Has it happened over the years? If it hasn't, or there have been little spikes of good here and there, but the trend line shows you what has continued, then you have to know that what you've seen and what you see today is what you will see tomorrow. And the reason that's liberating is because there's no question in your mind if things will change or not because you've already determined the trend. Once you determine the trend, there's no more question. I know, I could be wrong. Somebody could uh, get therapy and change in a week. It still doesn't change history. It still doesn't change today or history. So all you have is today to look at so that you can make decisions about tomorrow. In relationships, I mean, I'm not talking about the stock market, <laughs> although that might work too, but I'm talking about relationships in general. Family, platonic, romantic, anyone in your life, what has been the trend? If it's always been rocky, it will probably always be rocky. The good news is when you make a decision based on what has happened, you are making the most sound, well-thought-out, 
logical decision possible. You are not basing it on what could be or basing it on hope or wishing or praying. You're not basing it on any of that. You're basing it on hard evidence of what you've gone through and what you've experienced. And that's the best kind of decision to make, in my opinion. I think that frees you from obsessing if things could change or not. You look into the past, you see the past, you know the past, then you move forward. Now, of course, people might ask, are there exceptions? No. (laughs) I think most of the time, there are no exceptions. Because, let's just say, you know, I'll give you a scenario. Let's just say that the trend line has been going down and to the right for a long time, or has been way down there, and it's been miserable. And then, so-and-so gets some help. They figure something out. They're enlightened, or they have therapy, or something's going on in their life, and they're starting to act better. This is the point where the trend line changes. Let's just say it happened a week ago. Now you have uh, 10 years of the trend line being way down and just miserable. And then a week ago, the trend line starts to go up into the right in tiny little increments. It's at this point you have new data, new evidence. Yes, you can look at that change and say, wow, this is the first time this has happened. It's starting to go up. You can wait and see if it continues going up. You can wait it out and figure out if that's going to continue to rise. Absolutely. I am all for that. What I am not usually for is if that has happened over and over again. Because I talk about trends. I talk about history as a whole, not individual times where someone started acting better and treating you better, and then it stopped, and then it was down again. You know what I'm saying? You'll be down in the dumps, and then they'll start treating you right, and then it goes back down in the dumps again. You know, the trend line stays down. And if that happens over and over again, then you have these little spikes, but it's still at the bottom. It still hasn't improved. Nothing came of it. So if it's the first time and the trend line starts going up, sure, you know, let's give it a shot, see what happens. But if it bounced up for a little bit and then it went back to where it was and it was low, then you are dealing with something that isn't going to change. I mean, you really have to burn that in your head. This isn't going to change. This is how it is unless something big or drastic or something else happens. It's freeing to know this so you don't obsess on hoping and wishing and praying. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm not saying you shouldn't hope and wish and pray. You know, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying you don't obsess about the changes that you hope happens. If you obsess, then you're stuck. Obsession about what might or could happen is a rut. It is the dog tied to a stake in the middle of the yard that goes around and around and around in a circle, digging a path that gets deeper and deeper and deeper the more they travel around the stake and they never get out of it they never get out of that circle that's how I see obsession obsession is when you continually think about something and hope it changes or hope it will be different I mean there are things to obsess about that make sense you know if your loved ones in the hospital yes you might obsess about it I get it I'm not saying that you shouldn't obsess ever I mean obsession is a rut I don't want you to be there but I'm saying that when you obsess about people that haven't 
shown any sign of change or they did show signs of change before but then they went back to their homeostatic state then you're dealing with somebody that you have to look at history and say they will never change and to stay out of obsession you have to believe it 100% you have to believe that they won't change or the situation won't change because you have the evidence of history so you drill it into your head this is how it has been and this is how it will be you just believe it and if they do change then it's wonderful you get a bonus it's something that you didn't expect but at least you weren't obsessing for the days weeks months or even years waiting for them to change and what I mean by that is when you're not waiting for someone else anymore it comes back to you this is your power this is where you make decisions for you and if there's anyone else involved for those you love as well because you've accepted that a person or a situation won't change it comes down to your personal responsibility which is your personal power to make decisions for you and when you do that you step into your power like I say at the end of every episode you step into your power so that you create the life you want instead of waiting for someone else to create the life you want when you step into your power you make decisions and those decisions are based on what you have seen what you have witnessed not what you hope will be and if you make a decision and then suddenly the situation changes or the person changes then make another decision you can make another decision just because you made one decision doesn't mean you can't make another one I mean let's just say I'll put it in context let's just say that you're in a romantic relationship and the person you're with isn't changing and they're controlling or hurtful or difficult in some way and that's what the history shows that's what the trend line shows and you decide that you're going to separate you're gonna get away from them so you make that decision I'm doing this and you put it on the calendar because I'm the kind of person that likes to set a date so that I can say if nothing changes by this date this is when I make that decision or this is when I take action so you put it on the calendar and you tell yourself if nothing changes by this date I'm gonna take action the date comes nothing has happened and you take action you know you you are congruent you follow through and you do what you say you were going to do and then you do it and so the other person's like what you're leaving me what why would you leave me and you're thinking oh, you know I'm already exhausted talking about why I'm leaving this person but you have the conversation because you're hurtful and you're abusive and you're controlling or whatever that person is then they might say well please I'm sorry I'll change I'll change I'm sorry this is my decision I have to do this for me if you do change great I, I do hope you change but this is what I need to do for me this is based on what we've had together not what is possible you might have to say does that make sense what we've had together is why I'm making this decision not what is possible I'm not staying because of who you're going to be I'm leaving because who you have been I'm not staying because of your potential so I'm leaving and then you leave and maybe they're upset and they want you back and now you've left you got your own apartment or you're staying with somebody and now they're thinking oh no what do I do I really screwed up I need to work on myself you know it happens a lot you know people break up now they're gonna work on themselves so the person goes out and work works on themselves they get therapy and they do a lot of work and they have all these realizations and they realize oh my god I didn't realize I was hurting that person so badly what a dummy I am I can't believe I 
let that relationship go. I'm so stupid. Why did I hurt this person? I love this person, yet I was hurting them. And so maybe you talk and this person says, look, I, I realized so much about myself since you left. It's a good thing you left. I'm so sorry that I hurt you. And, you know, I, I get why you left now. You hear their words and you're thinking, this isn't the same person. This is amazing. I'm so glad that they are figuring this stuff out. But, you know, you're very skeptical because you've seen the trend line. You, you've been through history with them and you're not sure if this is a real change. But let's just say it is. Let's just say a few weeks or a few months goes by and you have the occasional conversation and you've seen real change. You've seen real authentic healing and change. But you've already made a decision. You've already signed a lease on a new apartment. You've moved into a different city. Doesn't matter. Because if you've seen real change and you're thinking about giving it a shot again, what you're going to do if you decide to return to the relationship and see what happens is you're going to have to start over. And this is a good thing. You're going to have to start over. So you might be three months into a new lease or six months into a new lease. And again, this is just an example. And they're learning so much about themselves and they realize so much about themselves and they know that they're never going to hurt you again or control you again. And you're still not sure, but you don't want to just move in together again. But you might start seeing each other as if it were a new relationship and I tell you what that's what has to happen because if it was the old relationship that you just came from the same result will occur you will get the same outcome you don't want the old relationship you want to start a new one with a new person because that's what they're becoming they're becoming a new person and in this scenario, I don't want this person to regret their decision of moving because now they're changing and that's what I want. And now I've signed this lease. That's not it at all. I think this person should be happy they left, happy they signed a lease somewhere else or stayed with their sister or whatever. And now they are seeing these changes because of all the steps that this person took to get away and show them that they're not going to take that behavior from them anymore. So this person has kept their power by making decisions that are right for them, which has helped the other person experience accountability and maybe some enlightenment and maybe some emotional evolving that needed to happen for them and getting some clarity that they need in their life that never would have happened without the other steps being taken. And the old relationship can't and shouldn't exist anymore if you're going to get back together with someone that has you know been hurtful or something like that the old relationship really can't exist anymore because if it did you get the same result so this all comes back to your personal power and showing up as your authentic self because by doing so what ends up happening is the dominoes fall where they should if you show up as your authentic self and you realize, oh, I've had enough of this situation, i got to get out of this situation, and you follow that path because you don't want to lose your power, you want to keep your power, you want to be able to make decisions that are right for you and not wait for life to happen to you, but for you to make decisions that create the life you want. The chips fall where they may, the dominoes fall where they may, and the people who really want to be in your life and the situations that are really going to work out for you in life are going to fall into place. So this is kind of a bigger picture of what happens when you're authentic, when you are showing up as your authentic self and you are honoring yourself 
and not letting anyone else take your power away and um, showing the world that you refuse to be disrespected and mistreated. This is a part of personal power right there. You're showing the world that you refuse to be disrespected or mistreated. And what ends up happening is the people that love you and support you want you to be that way. And the people that want to control and change you don't want you to be that way. So when the chips fall, you find out who is still there supporting and loving you. And you're going to lose some people in your life and you're going to gain some people in your life. And I know that's the hardest part. You don't want to lose people that you love. You might have a strong attachment to them or maybe you just are afraid of being alone. And I'm not saying that you should do any of this. I'm just saying that if you want to know who really cares about your well-being and wants you to be happy, uh, which is my definition of love, you're supporting the other person's happiness, even if you disagree with the decisions they make, when you feel that support from others, then those are the right people. And that's why it's important that if you're in a situation where you feel like your power is being taken away, you feel like you can't be your authentic self, you feel like you can't do what you really want to do in life because somebody or something is restricting that in you, then it might be time to stand up for yourself and do what you need to do for you that is in alignment with what you want in life. I've said this before, but the one question that helps you determine what you're truly in alignment with is if you had no fear of the consequences, what would you do or say then? What would you do or say? Answer that question with any challenge in your life. If you had absolutely no fear of the consequences, what would you do or say then? Because that gives you a congruent answer. That helps you align with the deepest parts of yourself. And that helps you understand what you really want in life. And that question is going to come up in the next segment because I'm going to read you this email that I pulled up on my screen here. And um, it's a tough situation that this person's in. I don't know if I have the right answer, but I'm going to try to help her keep her power. And uh, when she does, she might experience some loss. And I, I don't like to say that, but often loss clears the way for love and support and something in the future that works for you instead of something in the present that's not working at all. More to come. I'll be right back and I'll tell you what it's all about after this. When I was 10, I played with an Atari 2600, and um, I just thought that was the best thing in the world. And uh, fortunately, it didn't prevent me from going outside and riding my bike every now and then. But the games were addictive. But I play those Atari games today because, you know, that you can find them online and stuff. And um, they're just too simple. They've lost a lot of appeal because there's only one or two objectives. But this is what I like about the new games that have come out. I downloaded a game called Best Fiends. That's like friends without the R, Best Fiends. And I feel like a kid again. I mean, it feels so wonderful to have that novelty factor kick in in your brain because the brain loves 
novelty. It loves new things. It loves different things. It loves solving puzzles. It loves a lot of things. And this is the game that really activates those parts of your brain so that you can enjoy some time doing something that isn't about, I don't know, some pandemic. (laughs) I think we're all looking for a normal summer where there's a refreshing change of pace. And with Best Fiends, you can give your brain that summertime feeling all year long. You know, I don't even know what level I'm on. I just keep going through the levels. Let me pull it up here. I think I'm on, I don't know, I'm over level 100 or something, but there's so many more levels and there's always adding more fiends. They call their little characters. There's thousands of fun puzzles to solve and there's something new every day. So this blows away the games that I was playing when I was growing up. It's free to download. You probably won't be able to put it down, at least not easily. And the game you can play anywhere while you're waiting for food or in line or just at home unwinding for a little bit. Check out Best Fiends for free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. There's just so much to love. Collect points, collect characters, and just enjoy yourself. Best Fiends in the Apple App Store or Google Play. Welcome back. Like I said, I'm going to read you an email from somebody who is in a very challenging situation. This woman's in her 60s. She said she was raised in an emotionally abusive, chaotic family, and then she married into one. Her husband passed on, but she's learning about herself and how to be herself. That's good. And she said, thanks to you. Well, I might be nudging you in the right direction, but you're doing all the work. So congratulations on that. She says, my problem is that my daughter is exactly like my husband was, very controlling and emotionally abusive. I'm trying to fix myself, but she thinks I'm the crazy one and the only one causing problems. My husband had no empathy and neither does my daughter. Part of my problem is that I'm a people pleaser, I get hurt easily, and I carry immense guilt like a hurt child. Recently, things with my daughter came to a head. I wanted to move near her so I could be around my granddaughters, but she insisted I have a complete long-term health care plan and wanted me to see a financial advisor. She wanted all of my financial information, and I begrudgingly gave it to her. Then she didn't like the fact that I couldn't account for every penny of investments made. I'm upset with myself for letting her cross a boundary. She wanted me to prove on paper that I had a comprehensive plan. When I wouldn't, she got upset and basically said that she didn't want me moving near her. She got mad, and I left my trip early, and now I'm the bad guy, and I'm the crazy one. I understand that I hurt her and I've apologized many times. This situation is what brought me to realize that I am also emotionally abusive and since I've been listening to you to try to heal, I honestly don't know how to deal with her. She even goes behind my back and talks to one of her siblings about her problems with me as if she's tattling on me. She treats me like I'm not welcome in her life unless I do exactly what she wants me to do and I constantly walk on eggshells. I just can't do it anymore. I'm tired of feeling guilty when I react to something I don't want to do, and she insists that I do it, and then I'm the bad guy all over again. I don't know how to deal with her. Can you help me with some insight? Thank you. So that's a very tough situation. Thank you so much for sharing that. This is one of those messages where I don't know if I have the right solution or a good solution for you. This is where instead of giving you the exact steps to take, I refer back to the first segment, and this is why I talked about this stuff in the first segment, 
about you being your most authentic self and asking yourself that question, and this is important in this case, what would I do or say if I had absolutely no fear of the consequences? Yeah, what would you do? What would you say? Because I'm sure something is coming to mind. Now, the fear is your daughter has a family and you have grandkids and you want to see those kids again. I don't have very good news because if their mom is controlling and won't let you come near them or visit her or whatever it is, unless you do everything she asks, you have to know what I already said in the last segment, that you will never, ever be able to satisfy what she wants. You won't be able to do it. Again, I could be 100% wrong, and you can continue hoping and wishing and praying that it changes, but you are better off believing 100% that you will never be able to satisfy her whatsoever. This is where you free yourself from the shackles of possibility. I don't know if I said that right, but it sounds good to me. You need to free yourself from what's possible and accept that what has happened will be the only thing that continues to happen. What that means is she will always want to control you and tell you everything you need to do. And even when you conform, submit, and give in, there's going to be more because she is blocking you every step of the way. And when that happens, there's really nothing you can do about it. And I hate to say that because that might mean you won't see your grandkids, at least as often as you want or in the way you want. But grandkids do come around. Even when they're fully convinced by their parents that you're the bad guy, they they come around. I've said this before, kids are brilliant. They figure it out. A kid can have someone in their life convincing them that so-and-so is terrible, but the kid always sees a different person, and there's some cognitive dissonance that goes on in their head, and they can't line up the words they're hearing with the behavior they're seeing. In other words, their mom might be saying all this stuff about you, but they don't see it when they talk to you or visit you, so it doesn't line up. And because kids have brains, they figure it out. Most do figure it out. Most figure out that there's something not right. Because what happens is when you are not in the picture as a scapegoat, the kids get the direct impact of their behavior. And I know that sounds bad, but this can be a good thing because when you are not in the picture as the target and being blamed, then who is she going to blame then? She's either going to blame her husband or her kids. And I hate to say that her kids are going to be in that situation, but they might be. But they still will get through it. This is what I've seen in so many emotionally abusive relationships is that the kids hear all the bad stuff from the emotionally abusive parent about somebody else, about the husband, about the wife, about the mother, about the father. All of this stuff comes out of the emotionally abusive person, yet the kids, they grow up and they figure things out and they start to realize, what, that doesn't make any sense what she's saying. Just know that kids almost always grow out of it. They almost always figure it out. So I would definitely not worry about what you think the kids think of you. 
And I would also come to an acceptance that your daughter, the person that is making life very hard for you, is the way she is, and there's nothing you can do about it. So try not to change her. Try not to pretend that she's going to be anyone else and know that's who she is so that you can let it go. I know I make it sound so easy. Just let it go. But what I want you to do is make sure that you're not looking for something that's not there. Don't look for something that's not there. If she's not ready to connect with you and be empathetic, if she doesn't have any empathy, she may have narcissistic tendencies, I don't know. But if she's not there with you and she doesn't want to be there with you, then there's nothing you can do. And in fact, if you try to show up more and more for her doing what she wants you to do, she's going to find more and more faults. I mean, I've already said that, but I'm trying to emphasize that so that you don't try any harder. The more you try, the more guilty you'll feel. You see how I twisted that? This is exactly what's going to happen. The more you try to please someone else, the more guilty you will feel. So if you are trying to appease her and give her everything she wants, give her everything she needs, then she's going to point something out that makes you feel guilty. So you're better off not even trying, not with her. You're better off not even trying anything with her. Try to let her be. Send the kids birthday cards or birthday gifts or whatever you do. Try to keep the relationship you have with your kids if you can. If you can't, you know, you do your best. But just accept that you can't please your daughter no matter what you do. So that's going to give you some relief and also some pain. It's sad. It's sad to think that we won't be able to connect with our own children. It's very sad. But hopefully she'll figure it out. I mean, a lot of people do come around. They eventually go, you know, I really want a relationship with my mom. And they'll come around, hopefully. But I believe that you really need to be comfortable in your own skin to the point where when she thinks you're the bad guy, you say in your mind, so what? You know what? She thinks I'm the bad guy. She's always going to think you're the bad guy anyway. She's going to think you're the bad guy no matter what you do. So this is one of those things where you have to accept this is the way she is and this is what she thinks. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Now, people pleasers hate to hear that. (laughs) There's nothing you can do about it. And when you accept that, you can make different decisions. Because your decisions may be based on how do I fix this? A lot of people pleasers are rescuers. They're trying to fix things. How do I fix this? What do I do next? How can I show her that I didn't mean what she thinks I said? No, the, the idea is to get out of that state of mind so that you're not trying to fix something that cannot be fixed. This is why you have to accept 100%, even if I'm wrong, accepting 100% that you can't do anything to fix this relationship. You can't show her that you have good intentions. You can't do any of it because every time you try, it blows up in your face. Like you said, you know, I can't do it anymore. I'm tired of feeling guilty when I react to something I don't want to do and she insists that I do it and then I'm the bad guy all over again. That's why you have to stop. You have to stop trying and that means, yes, you might lose people that are important to you. I don't like giving you that news. I don't like to tell you that you may not talk to your daughter again, but I do know that her children will grow up, and I do know that kids come around and they figure things out for themselves, and who knows, your daughter may come around too. 
But right now, according to the trend line, according to history, what has happened has happened, and that's all the evidence you have, and there's nothing you can do about it, so you kind of have to accept that's the way it is. And it's freeing and painful at the same time, but your next decision isn't based on what can you do to fix it. Your next decision is what can you do to take care of yourself from this point on since you can't do anything to fix what's going on between you and her. And I just want to say, you're right that you were wrong. (laughs) Meaning, you said, you know, I gave her all my financial records and I shouldn't have done it. I agree. You shouldn't have done that. That is her trying to control you, trying to take your power away. And the more information she has, the more she can pick it apart and make you look like the bad guy. So whatever she asks for from this point on, I highly recommend you do not give it to her. Give her nothing. Emotional abuse works by giving a hurtful person something that they can use against you. And even when you give them something that outlines everything perfectly and gives them exactly what they want, they will still find something to use against you. You know, that's your Miranda rights right there. Don't say anything that could be used against you in a court of law. This is why so many defendants don't defend themselves. They have attorneys that defend them. Because anything they say can be used against them. That's emotional abuse, or at least a part of it. Emotional abuse is when your emotions, your vulnerabilities, everything you love, everything you love about yourself, all the people that you care about in your life, can all be used against you. So how you prevent that, or at least do your best to hinder someone's abusive ways is to give them so little to work with that they can't get under your skin. This is why the gray rock technique works. I talk about it over at Love and Abuse. The gray rock technique is when you act like a dull, gray, emotionless rock. This drives the emotional abuser crazy because if they can't sense your emotion, what you're experiencing, it's very difficult to use those emotions against you. It's very difficult to know where you are because they've been reading you this whole time. They can see your micro-movements and they can tell what emotions you're feeling and they know exactly when to strike because of all your nonverbal cues. But if they can't tell what you're feeling and you're not expressing what you're feeling, they have nothing to latch on to. They can't figure out where to go with you. They don't know how to control you. They always control through emotions, but if you have no emotions... What do they do now? They don't know what to do next. So that's what I mean is that you don't give them anything. Don't give her your financials. Don't give her your health records. Don't give her anything else because those will be used against you. This is why I'm saying don't do anything more for her. Don't try to fix the relationship. Just do you. Be you. Be your authentic self. And you might have to develop a new strategy with her. If you're going to continue talking with her on on any level, try not to get into any highly emotional states. Like you said, you apologized over and over again. That has to stop. An apology said with heart, with feeling, where you actually mean it, only needs to be said once. If what you're apologizing about even requires an apology. But my philosophy about apologies is you only say it once and you mean it And you never say it again. Otherwise, the first one doesn't count. 
I want you to set that in stone. Only apologize once, mean it, and never apologize for that same thing again because it negates the first apology. It's almost like you didn't mean it because you're now apologizing again. If you're doing multiple apologies for the same thing, I'm so sorry, and they bring it up again, they want you in that powerless state. Having to apologize to someone over and over again is a very powerless state, and some people want to keep you there. This is why you apologize once, you mean it, and if they ever bring it up again, you can say, hey, look, I apologized about that. It's up to you if you want to move forward now, if you want to forgive me or not. That's totally up to you. I'm not asking you for your forgiveness, which you shouldn't. I don't think you should ask for forgiveness. I think you should just apologize and let the ball land in their court. And if they want to hit it back with a forgiveness racket, (laughs) if they want to forgive, totally up to them. And that's great. Or if they don't forgive and they still want to move forward, that's great too. But once you've apologized, the ball's in their court. And now whatever they want to do with it is up to them. And if you've apologized to your daughter and she continues to give you a hard time and say, well, you did this and you did this, you be confident in yourself saying, hey, look, I apologize and I meant it. I'm not going to apologize again. That takes away her ability to take your power. So there are some steps I want you to take into courage. This does take courage to be in that space Because you probably think that you're going to lose some connection with your daughter. Like, it's the only connection I have left by continuing to be the people pleaser and continuing to apologize. But if that's the connection you have, I doubt that it's the connection you want. And in fact, the other question I always ask is, if the way things are now doesn't change for a year, will you be okay with it? You know, a year from now, nothing's changed. Are you okay with it? Five years from now, if nothing's changed, are you okay with it? Ask yourself those questions because if you say, no, I'm not okay with it, I've had it up to here, I'm already at my wit's end, then you already know the answer. So it doesn't really matter if you start honoring yourself now and only do that one apology and never mention it again. It doesn't really matter if you go into that submissive state anymore because you've already tried that and it doesn't work. So trying something different may be the solution to this. And that difference might be you stepping into your power by saying, you know what, you're my daughter and I love you and I'm here for you if you need anything, but I'm not going to stay on the phone with you. I'm not going to talk with you if all you want to do is control and hurt me. That may go badly, and I'm not saying you should say that, but there's a space inside of you that you need to be really comfortable with being okay standing up for yourself. I know you said that you're emotionally abusive as well. I don't know what that means. I don't know how you're doing it. But if you're working on that, that's good too because if you have some healing to do there and you realize that maybe you've hurt her as well, your final apology could be something along the lines of, I regret some of the things I've done to you over the years. I feel so bad. I feel rotten about them. I know I've hurt you. And I shouldn't have done that. You didn't deserve that. You deserved so much more than I could give. And I just want to apologize about that. I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that to you. And I just want to let you know that you didn't deserve that. It was my fault. And I need to heal from that. And I'm still working on that in myself. I just want to let you know. That could be the conversation. That might be the final conversation. But again, what I'm helping you do is passing the ball into her court. You are admitting any fault, you are taking responsibility, and then you are saying, this is where I am, 
and I'm sorry. I love you, and I never meant to hurt you, but I did, and I just wanted to let you know that you didn't deserve it. That's how you pass the ball without giving away your power. So I know you're in a tough situation, but where you are now with any of the people pleasing or trying to fix things or trying to submit and be exactly the way she wants you to be isn't working. So this is why you need to step out of that and step out of that and stop stepping into the emotional traps that she keeps setting for you. I don't want you to step into those traps because they'll keep you down, they'll take your power away, and you'll never have the emotional strength and the mental strength to be able to get out of that miserable space. Like you said, you've had enough. You don't want to feel this anymore. This is how you change that. And yes, you might lose any connection with your daughter. So everything I'm saying is optional. Some people might tell me, look, I don't want to lose the only connection I have left. I just have to put out the warning that sometimes it's better to have no connection than such a toxic connection that really makes everyone unhappy. Your daughter's not happy because she's never going to get you to do what she wants you to do. And she doesn't realize that she'll never be satisfied or maybe she does and she's doing it on purpose. But it sounds like she is trying to satisfy something and she can't get that satisfaction. So she keeps pushing you to do more and do more, but she'll never get that. And you will never be able to satisfy her because you can't meet those demands. And it's just a miserable time. This is why I say that sometimes the connection needs to be severed, at least for a while. But I'm not saying that you sever it. I'm saying that when you stand up for yourself and show up with courage and feel confident in yourself and say what you really want to say, regardless of the consequences, you're going to find out where the chips fall. And again, this is all optional, but uh, this is the only thing I can think of that gives you the possibility of a new direction. But I have a feeling it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. There might be a lull or a period of no communication where you toss the ball into her court and she never tosses it back. But try to keep your power no matter what. I hope something I said resonates or rings true for you or works for you. And I do wish you much strength and healing through this. Thanks so much for writing and thanks for joining me for another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. We'll be right back with my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank Best Fiends. Head over to the Apple App Store or Google Play to download Best Fiends. That's friends without the air. Best Fiends, a fun matching puzzle game for your Android or Apple iOS, I think. (laughs) Check it out. And I also want to thank Fallon, just because why not? She wrote and complimented me on both shows. So I'm grateful. Thank you, Fallon, for writing in. And I mentioned the Love and Abuse podcast. If you have any person in your life that is difficult, hurtful, mentally or emotionally abusive, check out the Love and Abuse podcast over at loveandabuse.com. It is going to give you a lot of clarity on exactly how to handle it, what it's all about, uh, what you can do about it. And I, I talk about all kinds of relationship issues over there, not just romantic, but, you know, family too, because family can be difficult as most of us know. (laughs) Not all family. Some family is fantastic. My mom, fantastic. My stepdad, 
dreadful. <laughs> I often wonder if he's ever going to listen to this show. I I hope he does. I hope he does. You know what? Stepdad, if you're out there and you're listening, you need to hear this stuff. You do. You need to hear this stuff. Not that I am your teacher and not that I want to be your coach. It's not that at all. I'm saying that I tell stories about you because you've done a lot of damage in a lot of people's lives. And some people need to hear that. Sometimes you need to hear that you've done damage in your life. So I'm not trying to single him out. I'm not trying to say this show's all about him. But uh, he taught me a lot. <laughs> he taught me so much. If I hadn't gone through the toxic childhood I had with him, then I probably wouldn't be here sharing all this stuff with you. So when I talk about him, it's not that I'm feeling any anger toward him or upset. It's more about being grateful that he was in my life. It's a weird thing to say, but he, I am so grateful that I learned so much from him. I mean, I learned all the bad stuff. <laughs> I learned how to be a jerk. I learned how to be emotionally abusive myself when I was younger, and I had to heal from everything I learned from him. But this is what happens. Some people show up in our lives, and we have to learn something from them in order to move on. And I will share this, and maybe this has happened to you. When you learn something from someone that shows up in your life that is very difficult or challenging, usually they stop showing up in your life. This is what happened to me over and over again. Like, for example, when I had a challenge with boundaries and honoring myself and showing up authentically, everything I talked about today, when I was having those issues, people kept showing up in my life, violating those boundaries and really making it challenging to show up as my authentic self. People kept showing up until... I finally decided one day that I need to handle this boundaries thing. What are my boundaries? What are the things I will accept and won't accept in my life? And when I figure that out, I need to make a clear line so that when somebody crosses that line, I can make it clear that they've crossed the line. I mean, I never did that in my youth. I never did that growing up. I never did that until my mid to late 30s. And then I really started honing in on that skill, that feature about me that I never had. So I had to program it in me by testing it, by trying it out and figuring out what happens when you honor yourself. And so when I started working on that stuff, the people that used to challenge me in those areas stopped showing up. So it's almost a, uh, I don't know, a spiritual thing where you're given all these challenging people in your life or people that challenge you on very specific things and if you haven't healed or passed the test with any of these people yet or honored yourself in a way that um, might be confrontational or might cause waves or whatever if you haven't handled that yet and you haven't healed from it yet and learn how to honor yourself you might continue to get these people in your life over and over again and sometimes it's the same person for me, it was my stepfather. Kept showing up over and over again until I finally said, uh, no, I don't need you in my life anymore. And when you test me, when you challenge me, I'm going to say what I really feel like saying. Because I did ask myself that question. In fact, I've told this story before. He showed up at my mom's house one day. I, I answered the door. I hadn't seen him in years. And he wasn't allowed in. And it was the first time I had to face him. And I asked myself that question probably in a few nanoseconds, what would I do or say if I had absolutely no fear of the consequences? 
in my head I said, I would say, you're not welcome. And before I even thought about it, which is important, because <laughs> if you're going to do this, sometimes you shouldn't think about it. And what I did was chose not to think about it and just say it. I'm not recommending this. I'm saying this is what I did. I just said it. Sorry, you're not welcome here. And he shrugged his shoulders and he walked away. And it was the very opposite of what I thought would happen. I thought he would punch me in the face. I thought we'd get into a physical altercation, but it never happened. I told this story many times before, so that's why I'm fast forwarding. But I tell you that because once you actually apply what you've learned, the challenge no longer is a challenge. It's just a feature. It's just something about you that exists. It becomes a part of you. And when it's a part of you, this is what I've noticed. The people that challenged you in the past are no longer a challenge and quite often don't show up in your life anymore. I have no idea why. For some reason, they got the message. I don't know how. This is why it might be a little spiritual that I don't usually get into in this show, but I look at it as some sort of ripple effect. You know, I've resolved this problem. I've solved this challenge. I've healed this part of me. And suddenly those people aren't a problem anymore. And the good thing is, is if you ever see them again and you've healed something in yourself, if they go to challenge it, it still might be difficult to honor yourself and do or say what you really want to do or say. But because you know you've survived it before, you can survive it again. That just changes who you are. And that change is really somebody that you haven't been, which is your authentic self. It changes who you are because you haven't been who you really are. You decide to show up as the authentic person you are. So that's what happens. That's about as deep as I'll get into the spirituality stuff in this program because we all have our own beliefs. We all have our own thoughts about what's real, what's not, what's good, what's bad. Everyone has their own inner driving force, whether that's your brain or some sort of spiritual influence or guidance or God or whatever it is, whatever you call it. It could be practical. It could be spiritual. It could be something completely different than no one else but you believes. I believe you do what works for you. And when you do, you are walking your talk. You are walking on your path and you feel good inside yourself because you feel comfortable in your own skin. And if you're still working on that, my best advice is to keep an open mind. This helps you step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure and above all. And this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.